name is Candido, and along with my co-host James, we put together a virtual series called the One Love Art Sessions. Our goal is to bring talent and community together for creativity, heart-to-heart discussions, and chill vibes. In this episode, you'll be listening to our third session. Along with our guest artists, Diego Garcia and Will Turan, we explore the concept of belonging and its role in our artistic journeys. Diego, why don't you tell us um, who you are as an artist and your style? Word. What's going on, everybody? For those of you who know me, appreciate y'all for touching in. And for those who don't, uh, my name is Diego Garcia. Uh, I guess what I'd like to, I'd like to align myself with a certain style of art that's both visceral and informative. I think I've grown into that language in my own language, which is graffiti influenced. You know, I, I, I personally don't try to hold myself in that realm, but it definitely shows in my work. And so from graffiti, when I started like 12, 13 years old, it's span and quickly spun itself into a whole web of references from anything to everyone from Jackson Pollock to Jean-Michel Basquiat to now even Clifford Still, Mark Rothko, a lot of people that I, I consider to be my favorite modern masters. And uh, a lot of my work is just about emotional awareness and about kind of digesting certain societal point of views and perspectives from this very kind of visceral mythical place that I'm that I'm creating so I don't you know what I mean I try my best to to leave myself room to grow and every time I answer that question and that's that's where that question has grown to today so you know that's it appreciate that man and and we're definitely going to dig a little deeper into that but uh, first let's get a little something from Will so Will tell us about yourself your style hey my name is Will Turan um I'm pretty versatile. I'm all across the board. I went to college for fine art, studio art, and I learned um, drawing, painting, sculpture, and I really um, leaned a lot on a drawing, a lot of portrait work. Uh, I was fascinated with like the figure, facial structure studies, just what people look like in general, because um, yeah, it's something we just see every day. Like a lot of Jean-Michel Basquiat, a lot of Rauschenberg, a lot of neo-expressionism, that whole 1980s New York City movement. Um, a lot of graffiti-based works, but uh, I try not to limit myself, and I try not to limit myself by any stripe because I'll put myself in front of any kind of medium and kind of just experience the process for what it is. I'm not really um, not like goal-oriented. I have an idea, but I never really know what it's going to look like until I start playing around with the tools and materials, right. and then um, I kind of just let it flow. Excellent. Excellent. Jay? Um, so our topic today is obviously around belonging. Um, and that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, so we wanted to start out with the questions. Um, have you ever been in situations in your life where you, you felt like you didn't belong, where you may have felt ostracized? Um, and has, has that feeling or, or that time in your life, uh, has it ever reflected into your art? Like, is there anything in your art that reflects um, that feeling? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Will, my man, I'm kind of curious to see what you get into. If you want to go first. Let me know, but I got, that question relates, that should strike home to me, so. Uh, well, it changes. Those, those stages change. As you get old, you start realizing more about yourself and, the, and how you fit in society or, or a community or just knowing yourself. But all of my work, I guess with any artist, is all about learning yourself. Um, there have been plenty of times where I felt ostracized or um, outcasted or maybe just like weird in certain places growing up culturally. I'm 100% Ecuadorian. And uh, in a place like upstate New York, you don't really meet a lot of other Ecuadorians. So immediately you notice that, or at least I did, but it never became a deterrent. It always became a fascination as to how well I can assimilate to my environment. So I guess with my abstracts, they're all like journal entries, diary entries, phrases, expressions, moments, places, people, and I document all of it in order for for me to help remember uh, where I'm from or where I'm going. Uh, a lot of the portraits help me do that too. I guess in itself, it, it's all about self-discovery. And um, I, I, in some ways today, I still feel lost. I still don't really know what the hell, what I am or what I'm doing, but making an art that helps <laughs> questions. Uh, let, let me jump in here before, Diego, before you answer. Um, Will, you, I, I know you specifically said, uh, I, yeah, based on your current location, um, but is that where you started producing your work? Uh, no, 
uh, I went to college at Adelphi University in Garden okay. City, Long Island. So uh, the environment there was pretty multicultural. I started taking my art seriously about my third year of college. Uh, my first two years, I was like, yeah, I'm talented, whatever art. Third, fourth year, I'm like, all right, I should really do something with this because I feel it. I'm, now I'm accustomed to the creative process and now I'm aware and a heightened sense of awareness about certain things, um, what I'm looking for, what, what turns me on, what off puts me. Uh, and then I started uh, going to Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, doing those circuits, uh, figuring out those modes, talking to those people. Um, I love living in the city because it was so highly multicultural and I love being around different people, different things, different viewpoints, different smells, different flavors. Um, and there, there came a point where I couldn't live in the city anymore because it was just too expensive. So by my age 21, I decided to move back home with this newfound information in my head and I applied it to everything that was in front of me. And then I started creating my own movement from there. That's very cool. That's very cool. That's all. And that's crazy. You're upstate. So like our, our, our stories as far as this topic are, are, I'm sure if we had a beer in person, we'd have a lot of similarities, brother, for real. That's crazy, man. That's crazy to hear that even somebody from like a completely different walk of life kind of had to jump over the same hurdles and stuff like that. That's crazy, man. I'm glad I let you, I'm, I'm glad I let you answer first because that, that key point you had, you said, like knowing yourself, that that right there might as well be the key point of, for me, any conversation regarding art, let alone something like this. Like the question, what was the question? You ever feel outcast or ostracized? Absolutely, man, absolutely. Uh, you know what I mean? Any artist who's advocating for themselves in a public space is gonna experience that once right. or twice. You know what I mean? You don't know yourself out the gate. You know what I mean? Right. You don't know what you want out of everything right outside the gate. So. That question is a yes for everybody. If you're an artist watching this and you say the answer is no, you're lying to yourself and to me. There's other, and, uh, There's other things. Like once you put the art up on the wall, now you're like open for interpretation. Now you're open for criticism. Right, right. have nothing to do with your reasons for why you made it, but but you're there and you're put on, on display. And, it's and you're signing up for it too. That's your choice. You're choosing to do that. Right. And a lot of people kind of regress and they're like, what the heck is going on? But that's part of it. And I love I love those perspectives because I know for me, it's been a blessing and a kind of privilege to kind of hear those things. And they're more or less really accurate or they open a deeper window than I had expected that they would open in people. You know, my work is I wanted to get this little narrative, this little heartbroken boy because my crush didn't want to go with me, answered no to being my girlfriend on a piece of paper. Yeah. I had this little story and now someone took it somewhere else. That's that's feedback that kind of grows the story next time I try to tell that story again, you know, sure. or make that kind of work again. Right. And, and that's part of it, you know, but yeah, on, yeah. A, on a serious note of like being ostracized and stuff like that, like out here. And I know Dito and I relate on a, on a, on a degree to this. Cause you from here, you know how it is. This, out here is, to kind of where I, this is where I was going to tell you to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hard, man. Like I've been the youngest brownest kid in a lot of rooms and uh, I used to be really light footed about how I would talk about that. You know what I mean? Cause I was new to it. You know, like you're saying, well, we're kind of just learning how to, you know, acclimate ourselves and learn the curves and the waves of everything and stuff like that. Like uh, we're learning how to do all those things as people, as artists, as creatives, as expressors. Well, now that I'm a little deeper into it, I'm older, you know what I mean? I have the, the repertoire and I have the resume and I'm about to say what I want. It's really tricky. It's really tricky being the youngest, brownest kid in the room that's like the quote unquote culture kid. And this is not like to shame or belittle or to start a war. It's just to acknowledge the changes and the gaps in our society, you know, because once you're deep enough into it, those things slap you in the face. Once you're deep enough, like... Okay, I had one really good show in Huntington. I got into two group shows because of it. And I had a client, you know, a collective start from there. Like, I'm deep into it now. I can't, I can't evade the little things that I used to be able to just walk really lightly over or, you know, talk lightly about. But now, you know, that I'm growing in my community and I've had the privilege to work with great people like the Huntington Arts Council and Muneca Art House, like, we got to talk about what needs to change, you right. know? And part of what talking about what needs to change is that that those moments of being ostracized. So the person behind me, the person next up, doesn't feel that, doesn't have to go through that. You know what I mean? It all depends on what you want to do ultimately as an artist or or just for the sake That's of That's a good point too. Yeah, right. It's what you want out of it too. Right. 
Because yeah. uh, some people just make work and they never want to show it. And that's completely fine. Right. Because right. it's for the therapeutic right. process. It's for the matter of expression. You make art because you need to. It's an itch you have to scratch. It's something that you wake up and think about and you can't do anything else but that. And that's fine. You don't have to showcase. You don't have to put a price on it. You don't have to take commissions. Right, right. And that's, that's part of it too. That's a very good point. I think you guys made some some good points. And actually, it's a great segue to kind of where we're going with this, right? So we're talking about being ostracized. We're, we're talking about feeling like you don't belong and how you deal with that and how you how you mature as not only an artist, but as a person, right? Um, so as those two come together and you, you start to look at your work and you start to look at um, the things that you're creating, um, what do you think your role as an artist is in society? Do you have a role? Like, or are you, are you just like, I'm making art and people could just take it how they want it? Or do you think that you have, as an artist, as a creative, as someone that has a vision, and you were talking about like, you know, you could create something and that kind of becomes something to someone else. And then you could take that back and then it grows into something. Like, do you feel like right. that's your role? Like, where do you feel, oh, where do you, where's, where's your puzzle in all of this? <laughs> Ali G knows, I don't, I don't take that, that lightly. I, I'm a firm believer of, of art without knowledge or educational or emotional value what's the point of showing it? You know what I mean? Like, what's the point? You know, sure, there's a pocket of people and like, you know, I shouldn't be so callous about it. I'm sure there's a pocket of people that get their rocks off or or making it or viewing just like some very visceral surface level stuff. That's why there's a lane in the market for pop art, but that shit isn't what we're going to talk about as people to each other 10, right. 20, 40, 50 years from now, you know? So my thing to answer that question Yes, if you're doing, if you're at, the way I see it, it's a very selfish and vain thing to Absolutely. publicly ask a, a person to take the time out the day and possibly buy a work that you don't mean to teach or educate or experience anything with them through. You know what I mean? Like, I'm signing up to show publicly. I'm signing up. I'm paying for these group shows. I'm paying to host my own shows. What, right. what do I look like just to... Is it like a, hey, look at me show? You know what I mean? Like, no, the goal should be to teach or to inspire or to advocate so, for something. Diego, it's important though. Um, and, and I was going to say this as well, but Alex just wrote in the chat that, um, that people love eye candy as well. So you said, are people going to talk, you know, 40, 50 years down the line about something that's based in pop culture? We, we, I mean, we, we are calling Andy Warhol role model, but it was exactly that. There's a lane for that, though. That's what I said. Like, you know, there is a lane for people that kind of enjoy that visceral experience. But ultimately, too, Andy Warhol is a very specific moment in time. One, in New York City, in the modern art era that we talk about specifically for that time. If that happened now, I don't think it'd be that important. But it happened then in that curve of things that he taught the art business and how he juxtaposed fashion and culture are ultimately also educational values that he brought to the art game. You know what in I mean? a lot of ways, Andy predicted the future for what's happening right now in terms of these 15 minutes of fame that everybody's going through. Things like Instagram, you know what I mean? like, Facebook, live feed, everybody's he's a bigger thing. thing. He's a, you know, he's a bigger thing than, than just like, you know, as opposed to fast forward, you know, uh, right now in time, right now in 2020, we have an Alec Monopoly or something that's just repasting and rewriting that algorithm that worked for that era. But now, that shit don't mean nothing right now. We had that already. You know, you're not teaching us anything about how or why it's important to have that, you know? And that's the thing about pop art is that sometimes it gets very divisive. It becomes a machine. It becomes a factory. You reproduce Facts. something over and over. For the sake of making art, yeah, you're making something pretty, but does it mean something? Right, right. We had that already. We had that. You know, as a people, we deserve more. You know, the people that we talk about is because whether they were just that visceral entertainment at the time or not, they contributed something. That goes back to saying, what are you trying to do with your art? What are you trying right. to say? Trying to mean, do you have an audience to make it for yourself? Right, right. That's a that's why I love that point. Well, the fact that you came out the gate with that is like, I love that, man. That's that's the most important thing. Like, what do you want to do with this? What's what's right. what do you want to do? Ali G knows he, if he's still in here, man. Who are you and what do you want to say? Those are the two most important things. Yeah, well, I ask everybody that. You know, to me, it's, it's not a hobby. It's not like a, a thing that I just do on the side. It's a way of life. It's a lifestyle. I was born with this ingrained in my body, in my mind, in my soul, and I can't get away from it. And I'm never going to be able to fight it. So I'm stuck with this curse. I got to make it. I do something. Yes. But if you think about, so, so you guys brought up Andy Warhol, and I think, you know, you, you see what he did for art, and you see he was a direct representation of what was going on 
in like New York City and in the area at that time. And a lot of his stuff just represented that. It was represented like like corp like corporate art and all like all that stuff, right? So it there there was a message behind it. So and I think that's why he resonated because it, you know, you could look at it and be like, he was just making Marilyn Monroe's, but there was a message behind it, right? Yeah. So with that said, and not to get too deep, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on now, this right. week alone. Oh, so yeah. like as an artist, do you feel obligated to have a voice in all of that? Like, what do you, do you feel you have a role in that? Because there's so much art that I'm seeing, like I open my phone and I scroll through Instagram and artists right. are just like, there's a call to arms and everyone feels like they need right. to create something to put their, their, their print on like what's yeah. going on right now. Um, and I think, you know, some of them is just to get their name out there. Some of them it's, there's a viral component. And if you can touch someone and you can, they can pass it on to someone else and they can educate them. Right. So right. do you feel like with all this is going on, do you feel like, you know, a, a tingle, like, Oh my God, I got to do something about this. I think so. I think at least for me, I want to know what, I want to know what you feel, Will. I don't want to cut you off if I can't hear you properly. I'm going to finish that. I'm going to let you go because I want to hear what you have to say because, like, you're from a – out of to me and out of what seems like an out-of-pocket location. Like, I want to know what you think. But for me, being so close to, you know, an urban lifestyle and stuff like that, and uh, I th I'm a big ASAP Rocky fan, and a, a long time ago they asked him why he don't speak on anything political. And he's like, that's not my place, man. That's not what I talk about or whatever. Fast forward, he apologized for those things after what happened in Sweden because he was like, yo, like, I didn't realize you could still have empathy for those things, even if you didn't experience them, you know, and I, I thought that was pretty cool because that's how I feel like, I'm, you know, I don't get too political. I'm an emotional wreck in my work. I cry a lot <laughs> and I talk about how I miss people and things and, and how I love people and, you know, and uh, that's what I do. But in times like these, to answer the question specifically about right now, I was compelled because like, I have a lot of empathy for what's going on. And I think, uh, I don't, I think it's up, to, I think it's up to the artist to be as responsible as possible to respond in a way that's, that they can digest themselves as people and also express as a creative. Like, I'm not going to go speak on things I don't know about, but I am going to speak on my perspective of said things, you know? And, and if you can do that in a way that flows with your moral compass, you have absolutely every obligation to do so, you know? And especially, and, you know, and even if you don't, like, let's say me, who's, you know, five solo shows deep or whatever, like, I, I feel right now, maybe I didn't feel this way five, seven years ago. Now, I feel like I should at least try. I should at least try, you know, because I went to go speak at my high school. And I, I spoke to the art students there and I spoke to kids and I did art workshops. And now I feel a little more responsible, even if I don't succeed or not, or I decided, hey, that narrative or that. I don't got the voice for that. Maybe it's not me. It's maybe it's not my conversation to have. But I feel like as a representative of my community, we have to at least try as creators. I, you know? I think that's my perspective. I think the idea that um, that you recognize and that you have a platform. So, uh, my, right. so my stance on this particular topic is I was listening to Rosenberg. If you know him, he's a, he's a radio show host, uh, ESPN Hot 97. But he put out a video and said, if you saw... Um, the video of the murder and you didn't respond, no matter the size of your platform, if you didn't come up with a response, then you're kind of lost in the weeds about what's happening because um, you have the opportunity. So, so what I took that as is um, if I have an, a feeling or emotion, then it's my responsibility to depict that. And, and because my ability is art, then I had to start drawing. So I haven't stopped drawing for days now. Uh, right. I have one image every day um, that just brings me to where I'm feeling. Yeah, you know, it's hard, man. That's hard. There's a and that's the thing. There's a lot of, you know, again to that conversation. You know, what we was talking about well before people were logging in. There's a lot of there's a lot of dichotomy to to the social network web that is this conflict. There's a perspective of bad racist cops. There's a perspective of good cops that want to mend the bonds between them and their communities. There's the the perspective of angry black youth that don't know how else to express themselves. There's the, the perspective of elder, you know, black, black people that maybe can't go ride and pill it because they've seen it too many times or they don't want to, or they, they don't know the answer, whatever. There's us that are people of colors that stand as allies that, you know what I mean, relate more personally, but ultimately will never know the experience fully. There's a lot of perspectives. There's a lot of point of views from every single part of it, especially in something as complex as this. So as us, for us as creators, it's, it's just a nice gesture to at least try, to at least try. Whether, you know, to do it to the best of our abilities, that doesn't mean I'm gonna create the most prolific, you know, 
Black Lives Matter Time magazine cover, but it means I'm going to try from my perspective as a Spanish man watching this happen to my 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 peers, my people, you know? Will? Uh, I think that my role as an artist is to try and express what we all feel. Uh, not to tell people how to feel, but um, not like a preacher or like a leader or anything, but just as a reflection of us all. And uh, to empathize with my co-artists over here, my work is all about comfort. I'm not talking heartache. I'm talking missteps, I'm talking mistakes, I'm talking regret, remorse, disdain, lament, but I don't spoon feed it to the viewer. I hide it in a very delicate way. So you have no idea what the hell it is I'm talking about because it's important to me. And to me, that's all that matters. I put it up on the wall, I say what I say, and I know what it means, and then it's open for interpretation. But did you you put up something on, on Facebook uh, on John Lennon? Was that a painting of yours? Oh yeah, the the quick watercolor, the thing. Okay, yeah. so that was pretty. That was pretty uh, illustrative. I mean, and and the message that was pretty clear correct. there. That's correct. But I'm talking so, like a painting, a mural, a canvas, you know. Because yeah. again, I'm multiversal. You know, it depends on whatever's in front of me, and then I'll you know, I'll go about doing it, whatever. But the most personal pieces to me are very cryptic. Okay. I mean, they're not. They're not always just. Uh, this is this is the meaning. It, it, it's always something like whatever color I'm using or, or how I'm throwing the peanut at the surface or, or the words that I choose because it, it's always a big mishmash and a big uh, uh, mystery of like hieroglyphics and stuff. That's why I like to pay attention to a lot of John Basquiat. It, like he used a lot of uh, hidden meaning, hidden secret, uh, like iconography and, and words from a song or, 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 or celebrity figures. And nobody knew what the hell he was really talking about except for him. I appreciated that on a whole different level. Be it race, cultural group, medium, subject, or techniques, artists experience a moment in which they face the issue of belonging. I myself wondered that as a young artist on Long Island, interested in subjects that I wasn't seeing or reading about. Occasionally, it's up to the artist to make their own way, blaze their own trail. Then, once we do gain a reputation and an understanding of ourselves, we have a chance and maybe a responsibility to use art as a tool for sharing messages and for helping or uplifting those following behind us. That's when we're cool. talking, we brought up we brought it up multiple times. This idea that both of you have showcased your work in multiple places, and that's how I, I've come to know you both as well, um, because we've shared spaces where we've showcased work. But individually, you've had the opportunity to to go on and do solo shows, uh, participate in other group shows. What do you think your role now? as an active artist is uh, is in creating a sense of belonging for newcomers, right? So you started to address it, Diego. What are you telling them? Uh, I know for me personally, um, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is be genuine and be true. You know what I mean? If, if you can't be genuine in the room and make it, you probably shouldn't be in that room. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's probably not the room you gotta be in. If you gotta fake it to make it, that's the first thing that I say. And then the second thing that I say, really, I try my best not to stem too far from that because a lot of, I've met, you know, peers and, and people that like, you know, I met a homegirl at my last artist talk in 2019, my show last summer. She was telling me like, oh yeah, like I just sent, you know, this owner an email for a show and da, 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 da. And I didn't mean to, she's the homie. So like, it wasn't bad or anything. I didn't mean it in any way, but like I jumped right to the logistics. Like, okay, like how are you going to handle press reach out and all this, that, that, that. She was like, whoa, like, I didn't even get that deep into it. Like, I was, you know, like, I didn't even think that far. Like, or how, how does your work respond to this space? How are you going to frame them? I got into all, like, the, the I, I started crossing the T's and dot the I's, and she she got overwhelmed. And I said, that was just a sign to me that maybe she didn't do enough homework yet. I said, well, let's, let me backtrack. That was me. What's the show going to be about? You know, and she mm-hmm. doesn't, didn't even know that answer. So we kind of just kept going backwards and backwards and backwards. To, so we so I could find her a starting point as per advice and that's really what it always comes down to know what you want out of it and know know what you want out of it and once you define that you know a challenge that opposes that is going to become prominent an advantage is going to become prominent a, a building relationship is going to become prominent like once you know what you want out of it once that once that core factor is true who are you and what do you want to say once you have the answers to those two questions, the things that negate that or go against that, you'll notice you're clear of and they won't make sense to you. And the places or the galleries that 
might work for that will make more sense to you or the people, the collectors, the peers, the other artists in the group shows, like you'll know kind of where your lane is. And, and that's, right. that's where people go crazy. They kind of jump into it, not knowing. So every lane looks like one that they can fuck with and they don't like everyone turns out a dead end because it's really not for them. You know what I mean? And everything comes to you in the, in the process. Nothing comes to you from just sitting around doing nothing. You have to be involved and in it in order to start asking yourself the right questions or throwing yes. in certain lanes that you're interested in. But nothing comes to you from just sitting around doing nothing. Like you got to be involved in doing anything. And I'm talking like free writing, just like doing anything. And then something will hit you. And then you'll be present, like, man. You got to, oh, I don't like you got to be present. You got to jump in there and you got to, you know what I mean? Like this, I'm not in every show I go to. I'm, I go to shows. I just go. I just go see who's doing stuff and, and who's, you know what I mean? Who's kind of getting stuff done or who I like or who I might disagree with and for what I disagree with them with. Like all that stuff is important. So, I, you know, like to provide that path for the people, to answer your question, Dito, I'm just making sure I always express how important those answers, the answers to those questions are being genuine and staying true and being, you know, who are you and what do you want? And just, if they can't find it themselves, I try my best, if so, to help with that too, you know, being the member of the community to say like, yo, don't right. be embarrassed if you don't have it. I didn't have it. You know, I was a young, Dito, when did we meet? I was like at least 19 years old, 18 years yeah, old. Man. I mean, you were fresh out of high school. Huh? Yeah. Like I, I just graduated. I didn't have the answers that I have now. But, you know, yeah. people like you didn't make me feel embarrassed for not having those answers. And thank you for that from the bottom of my heart. Like that stuff, sure. that shit is important to the youth, to, to any young creator, young at heart, or just a young person of age. Like to not make them feel embarrassed for scavenging for, for answers. Because that's where knowledge gets lost. Or people right. feel embarrassed or timid to look for it. Right. right. So I had, I had a great opportunity to, to catch you uh, at, your, at your newbie stage. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I met. Uh, Will had already been creating, so I almost don't know anything about the lane that you had to carve, and and what has come since then. You know, um, was there was there was there a path already being blazed for you, and have you had to uh, then help others since you've been in, in the Newburgh area or in Mid Hudson area? Uh, well, after college, after the whole New York City stint, I came back home pretty defeated because you know you're twenty, I don't know, two, twenty three. And you're like, I have no money. I'm out of college. I don't really want a, a desk job. I want to create. I want to be an artist. So I just started painting. And then I found the local community. I found something happening. It was um, the misconception about a place like the city of Newburgh is that it's not the sticks. It's not like some hunky-dory, plain, uh, vanilla place. It's very, very multicultural. There's a lot of Black people. There's a lot of Mexicans. There's a lot of uh, Peruvians. There's a lot of uh, mixed cultures. And even the whites might be a minority in the city of Newburgh. So it was a place that reminded me of Queens. It was a place that reminded me of this inner city that I love to be around so much. So I kind of shacked up there and I started meeting the right, the quote unquote, right type of people there. That, and when I say that, I just mean uh, the right kind of opportunities for okay. me to invest myself in the community appropriately. I started right. painting professionally. I started uh, getting picked up by local galleries. I started making money off my art. I started learning the, the business of the art trade. And after a couple of years of doing so, I realized that I didn't want to be in the art market. Uh, it was nice to make my uh, money off of painting, but uh, the idea of having to pay the rent off of my art really bugged me. And the idea of timelines, and due dates, and expectations, and demands, I hated it. I'm very organic. I come from a very organic place and I have to do it when I feel it how, how on my terms. I make my own art on my terms. So after knowing the system, after learning what I had done at the system, I had brought it all back to my community in Newburgh. And I said, there's something happening here. There's a lot of artists thriving here. Now this is just a matter of getting everybody up and getting them excited about something. Gather them all together and get them excited about something. So while I was creating this thing in Newburgh, I'd reach out to New Pulse, I'd reach out to Middletown, I'd reach out to Poughkeepsie, I'd reach out to whatever other place was happening in regards to young, enthusiastic, vibrant, exciting art. So I made a list, I made a good roster of local artists, local talent, and the age range was wide and, and the media play was really wide. And I didn't stop at just visual artists. I met musicians, I met DJs, I met poets, I met dancers. And I just started devising this whole roster. So two or three years after doing that, 
working the whole Hudson Valley circuit, I decided to create my own thing. And I opened up what I would call an underground gallery. And I wrote that way for about three or four years where I would showcase my favorite arts in the Hudson Valley. All right. And from there, my art became something completely new. It was no longer about me having something to say in terms of a surface. I wasn't painting and drawing anymore. What I was doing was providing an experience to the Hudson Valley that was an open public forum that invited rich or, or poor or young or old or black or white or whatever the hell it was. Everybody was welcome and everybody for one night, uh, once every month, it felt like it would be astounding. It would be beautiful. It would be no walls, no reservations, no fears, you know, because a place like the city of Newburgh, there were, people would say, I never want to go to the city of Newburgh. You're kidding. People, sh people get shot. People die. People get robbed. There's too many minorities. Like, that's not a thing. I'm going to show you why you want to come to the city of Newburgh. So I mm. created my own home. I created my own place of mystique and wonder. And then you would hear about it. You go, oh, shit, there's people going down in the city of Newburgh. And they would be 50-man art shows, live band, live DJ, you know, uh, drinks on deck, uh, 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 whatever the case was, because every month was a different theme. Every month was a different reason to make art, uh, new rules, new, new, new people. And I just kept it going because I was on such a good high from creating this thing. That became my artwork. That became my masterpiece with the studio, the gallery that I had made. So for about four or five years, I want to say, that was my goal in life, was to create a beautiful thing that had no reservations, no limitations in regards to what your idea of art was. You came to this place and you realized, oh my God, there's so many people doing this right here in the Hudson Valley. And it's all good. It's all good mm. work. I got a real kick from doing it. I got a real high off of that. Yeah, I can't say I've ever, I've ever seen any art in, in Newburgh, but I've been down to the Beacon area. And uh, I know that was pretty happy. That's a pretty happening location. Have you showed work there? I have worked with several uh, gallery owners and artists in Beacon. It's cute. I like Beacon. It's a little fluffy for my taste. Newburgh's <laughs> a little more grittier, a little more sexier. But Beacon's that does cool. it for you. It's one of the more <laughs> That sounds like my place, man. I'm coming to visit you when this is over, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the yeah. I'm in Poughkeepsie now, and uh, you know, it's been a couple of years since I've actually done any kind of event play, but um, come on up. Let's go find some trouble. <laughs> same, bro. Same. And, and I put you up over here, man. Anytime you want to come around here, man, you family out here, bro. So don't even sweat it, you know? We'll get some work out here, man. So, Jay, I know you've done, um, like, you've met with high school students and you've spoke to them about your industry and what you do. But, like, how do you do that? Because um, it, it's fairly young, you know, like, your art is, is a fairly young kind of art. Yeah, uh, it's tough. Um, because, I mean, the easiest way I explain it to high school students would be that I'm a graphic designer and they'll just say, oh, you make websites. And right. I'm like, yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, and I think uh, very early on when I would speak to them, I would try to really like be technical and try to explain what I did. Like I create digital products and it, and it would totally just go over their head. Um, yeah. So as I as I kept going to these different schools and talking to these kids, I started to realize I needed to like kind of dumb it down, not dumb it down, but bring the vernacular down a little bit so they can understand a little bit more. So it was more like, you know, I'm, I'm a digital artist, so I could make websites like you guys have been on websites before. Right. So there's an artist that does that. But on those same websites, there's also artists that create the logo so I could do things like that. There's also artists like, you know, what is a digital product versus a website? So a website could be just something you go on that, that looks nice and you can maybe do a few things on it. A digital product is something where it's actually functioning, you know, and they start to kind of understand that a little bit more. So like, uh, it, it just explaining that, like it's, it's art in a visual standpoint in the digital world. Uh, so I try to sometimes stop there. Sometimes I forget and I go a little bit too far and they're just, the kids look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and to be honest with you, digital art in itself is so rapidly changing yeah. uh, that a lot of times I have to ask myself what I do. Like, it's I, I always mean, changing. That, that was my concentration when, uh, when we were up in New Paltz, right? I mean, graphic design was, but I mean, I have to, I have to, I would have to reach out to you if I were to try to embark on any kind of graphic design project now, because I feel like I've been, I've been left in the dust. I mean, I, so I'm not active with it. Uh, I haven't been learning as much, uh, but yeah, I would, I would, 
I would definitely have to reach out. But even that, you know, when we went to college, uh, the graphic design program, even there was, when I look back at it now, it was like, oh, graphic design is a thing. We need to offer it. Okay, let's hobble together a few different classes and then we can call it graphic design. So you went there and you learned like topography, which is awesome. Um, And then I I think I even had to take a coding class. Like they just kind of put everything into one basket and they were like, oh, this is graphic design. Yeah, I think I, I think I did. I think I did uh, digital photography, which focused on Photoshop and Flash animation. Yeah, you know, Flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I had Flash on my resume until like 2010, I think. And then finally, <laughs> I like I killed it. I was just like, even if I even if someone wants to hire me to do Flash, I don't want to do Flash animation because I don't even know why they would want something like that. Everyone hates Flash. Um, wow, it's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. Flash is uh, So I get to... Uh, I get to cheat a little bit on this belonging question because um, as a teacher, I, I get to create that environment. Uh, it is my sole responsibility to make thousands of kids feel like they belong. Um, so I, it's, not really, it's not really on them. It's, it's, it's up to me to create that environment. Yeah. Fortunately, I mean, it just happened last night. I was on Instagram Live. I was recording myself. You know, I was, go, I was just working on a watercolor paint thing. And one of my former students was like, hey, thank you so much for just allowing me to uh, find who I was as an artist. And, and I was like, that's it. And that, that's, that's what I want. I want. I want no matter who that student is, when they come to my class, they get to explore, they get to experience, and then they just continue to do that. And as you know, once they leave my classroom, once they leave my safety, you know, my, my secure place, that I want them to feel like they can continue to do that outside of my classroom. And it seems like it's happening. And um, I want yeah, to continue man. to do that for people, you know. That's one of the biggest responsibilities we have on this planet, man. So thank you for that, bro. Shout out to Appreciate all the educators, it, man. man. Yeah. Real. Yeah, both my parents are educators. I've been hearing about this stuff since I was a kid, man. They just push you to bring out the best you they can. And I think that's the best thing you can do for anybody. It's just a reminder that you're able to do anything you want to. The possibilities are endless as long as you're enthusiastic, as long as you're determined, as long as you have a good heart, like a good spirit about it, you can do literally anything. It's just a matter of discipline. You do something enough every day, you're bound to learn, you're bound to grow, you're about to change, you're going to learn, you're going to ask yourself the right questions, you're going to learn yourself better. You can do whatever you want as long as you decide that that's what you want to do. Awesome. Uh, So switching gears real quick for a second, um, could you guys just kind of tell everyone um listening and watching kind of what you guys are working on what the mediums you're using are are these mediums that you usually use why don't you just kind of just break down the work that they're seeing um if you can maybe even get closer um just so they can have an idea of what they're looking at i'll let you i'll let you go first will because i want to know how you're making that work man like i can see that from here so that that image came came together real quick so fill us in bro (laughs) Well, I, work, I like to work really fast. I like to work really loose, really gesturally, really fluidly. Um, I like to work with a lot of acrylic paints mostly because it's flat. You can water it down and you can literally just curl it at the surface uh, to create this wonderful chaotic thing. Um, I'm using uh, cardboard, a piece of cardboard right now because I just like to pick up anything and just use it as a surface, you know, doors, windows, canvas, pieces of wood cardboard i love fucking cardboard it's so easily accessible and something really um deep to me is the fact that it's temporary this will disintegrate in about three or four years and i love that idea but everything just goes away and this whole separating from your work because nothing is permanent nothing is forever everything is temporary and it's something that i just resounded with me my whole life so i'm very easy to just let it go um uh, like i said i'm a portrait artist so i i Take a uh, self-portrait to do for uh, our topic here uh, in regards to belonging. So, um, and I'm always uh, using a reference. So this is coming from a photo that I put next to me. Um, I like to use literally anything I can get my hands on. So I started off with some charcoal for a gesture drawing. Just lay down my hard lines, looking for my lights. Um, right. Now I'm starting to go in there with some paint. Uh, I literally just showed dark color. This blue I got going on here. So I'm working my darks. Later I'm going to hit my lightest lights. And I'll find my midtones in between, but I've already been getting this nice from this cardboard. So, uh, and I'm just going That's, at it. You really are an illustrator, man. He's said darkest darks, lightest lights. That's, I know. It's just, that is, just, that's, 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 that
I took <laughs> the little art education that I have under my belt, like as far as academically, like that is it, man. But that comes in handy, man. The darkest darks and the lightest lights, that's awesome. Light in general, uh, it's a big thing in art, man, and it helps you um, create form, it helps you realize dimension. Um, I went to college specifically to, to expand on my drawing and then later after college, I really started diving into painting, not knowing what the hell I was doing. But that's what that's what it turned me on about that. Is that I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but at the end of the day, there's no rules in art. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Just do it. And then something beautiful happens. And then the more you do it, the more you start figuring out what works for you. Right, right. It's cool. It's the, the way you, I like that because I wish for one, if the, I don't really... I didn't go to college for any of this and stuff like that. I, I didn't go to college, but if I did, that's the one reason I would want to go to master light. Light is so important. I've had to just like chip away at learning it and learning it and learning it. And now I'm at a place that, uh, that I'm, um, that um, I'm in a little more confident with understanding my light source in my work and, and controlling that light source. But man, you said something, you said uh, there's no wrong way in doing it. Like there isn't, there isn't a wrong way in applying paint to canvas. There isn't like, no. you know, I use old business cards like to get like a lot of nice textures and palette, nice moods and textures that I like seeing. I get them from old business cards that like from people that already have their phone number saved in my phone. So I don't need their card anymore. <laughs> Make sure they don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. It's, it's genuine. Like this place isn't out of is out of business, so I just use old business cards, and that's what I do. Like I have a stack of them. That's all you need. You know, it's just credit cards of my own, like old debit cards that that I I change. I keep right. the old debit card and I use them. So there isn't a wrong way to apply it, but like I I, I like being the kind of that stick in the mud the asshole the devil's advocate whatever to like because i remember my teacher miss friends would always be like why why'd you do it that way why you know what i mean like those answers are fun you know what i mean like you know there's there's a fun there's a fun aspect to composition balance contrasting colors and things like that that like i kind of like stimulating i like finding myself and i also like challenging other painters to find like you know i remember you dito specifically at the winter's blue show the Winter Blue Show, I did a piece that at the time I was, oh, I was like so happy. I was like, this is crazy, yo. <laughs> All of my people rolled out for me in the snow. I had like 20 people deep. It was mad fun. And this piece was specific that I was going to show like, it was this portrait of this kid from this movie, uh, this uh, foreign film called Let the Right One In. And you didn't say anything bad, but you didn't say anything good. You said, it's got some work. And you just like laughed and walked away. That shit? It wasn't bad. I loved it. I was like, damn, what does he mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I told my girlfriend at the time, I said, what did he say? I was like, he said it's got some work. <laughs> and I was like, I love that though. Like, I, I love like kind of poking, you know, at the gears of, of mechanisms and stuff so like that. When people, I think when people say like the artists are their own biggest critic, I, I do believe that. But if your community is tight, then nah, man, you're not the biggest critic. It's it, it's exactly. supposed to be, it's supposed to be your man or or your girl next to you that are like, yeah, I don't think you should showcase that work. Not your best, not your best. I mean, I mean, look, the the I proposed to my wife at an art show, and the only reason I was able to show those works at that thing. show is because thing. she said, uh, oh yeah, that's a good one. But if it didn't look good, she was like, mm, let's just try to start a new one. And I was like, what? Start a new one? She didn't even say fix it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, start a new one. That's, no, that's raw. Start a new one. Make ten more, you know. Yeah, that's so start a new funny. one. With Diego, what, what's on the canvas, brother? What are we looking at? So, uh, you know, not to get crazy into it, but my last two shows have been a very potent narrative for me, style-wise, aesthetically, technically, and also just like spiritually. I'm kind of really in a place where the last two bodies of work I've made in 2018 and 19 really painted this picture of techniques and narratives and juxtaposing them both in a way that I really like. So I'm in a place to summarize what you're looking at now. It's a combination of both those styles that I, I've been using for the past two, three years, four years now. This knife work kind of, you know, laying over, stroking it back and forth, up and down until it has this kind of mood washy palette to it. But I, in my last body of work, I really became 
engulfed in the idea of, of providing my work a lot more environmental intelligence. A lot of my work, you know, has been described as like, you know, abstract surrealism, abstract, abstract expressionism, like this very atmospheric, you know, spiritual place that, that has physical tendencies, but they're not really physical and they're more astral, physical. And that's all good and gravy. It's something that won't shake me and that's something that won't leave me. I don't want it to, but I think it's really, for me as an artist, it's been a blessing and really fun to to expand that that narrative and expand those techniques in a more physical place. So what you're seeing now is like those same knife words, that same credit card, or I mean, uh, business card I was using, this character, I'm just kind of adding to him as he goes, it's this kind of rigid, imposing, inquisitive figure, you know, that I like, I like using children and poses and physical nature to personify emotions. So there's this inquisitive thing, you know, this character that's going on, but somebody, ten, my five-year-old, five years old or five years ago, Diego would have just kind of added some, you know, aura around him or some sort of energy source. Now I'm focusing on adding these abstract qualities in a very strategic way that mimics like a path. You know, these are all little flowers that you see on a walkway in a valley. You know what I mean? And a lot of my new work in this quarantine, I've made 22 new paintings. Wow. I have a whole new body of work. Yeah, dude, that was before April. That was that was like mid-April. I was I was I was finishing 21. And I've made like three more since. Like so I have a whole new body of work ready to go on top of the stuff that I was making a new catalog of from previous shows. And this is probably gonna be a new one on top of the new ones. And it's just like I like to challenge these emotional things in a very physical place. Like I, I've been telling people that ask what I'm doing now. I want to make Jumanji, like the stories you hear about Jumanji when Robin Williams is describing, like, you go to sleep and then you hear them eat, you know, you go to sleep and you wonder if you're next on the menu or Neverland where, you know, the Lost Boys where they went to stay forever and stay young. Like, I want my work to have a more inquisitive, physical, you know, nature to it. I want it to have environmental intelligence where these emotional things that I was touching on before now have like a physical relatability. You know, now it's not just an emotion that that I'm making you feel or making you relate to or making you touch back on in your head. It's now it's that paired with some sort of physicality paired with a tree or with some sort of path that you can physically feel yourself walking on. You know, right. I don't want to get too into it because then you're painting lands. No, it's, but you it's mad funny as you're talking, like when you when you when you said that, I'm thinking of like Internet, like memes, right, where they're like takes one hit and then it's like. Dude, yeah. dude, I want to make Jumanji. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, as an artist, as an artist, sometimes that's how your mind works. And other people and are like, bro, what are you, what are you doing? Fact, Jay, I've never smoked in my life. Imagine if I did. <laughs> no, I'd be out of the world. Yo, I want to make Jumanji, bro. And I, it's a metaphysical outer space. Like, It'd be if I blew it down, I would go to my next show like Mary Poppins, like floating down from an umbrella. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yes. always making it. Yeah, I'd, I would be out of this world if I was into like psychedelics and stuff. But yeah, that's kind of what I, you know, what I'm doing with this piece. I'll show you guys. This is never before seen. This is I finished this yesterday. It's a very similar colorway, and it's a very it's the same size. Very similar colorway. I can't really get it that close where you can see all the text, but it's the same thing. The same abstract qualities that I've been using for the past five years, just more strategic. It's just more, it's just, it has more of a function now. Now it's providing the subjects that I put in them, these emotional places and statements, it's just providing environmental intelligence. Now it just feels more like a place you know, it feels like an emotion and a place now. It doesn't just feel like this atmospheric, I don't know where where it is. You know, now I hope the viewer can feel like these two subjects are standing in front of a tree or like there's all this like walkway and path-like kind of abstract strokes at their feet that look like flowers or, or, or dandelions or whatever, you know? All right. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, man. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing this entire body of work. Uh, but it's about that time that we start sharing some information so that our viewers and our One Love community can find you at a later time. So Diego, you already had the microphone. So where can people see more of your work and stay up to date with what you got going on? Oh, 
word, man. Uh, just real quick, thank you to everybody that tuned in. I appreciate y'all very much. Thank you, Dito and Jay, for for you know putting this together. And just find me on Instagram at Diego A G C D I E G O A G C. All my other links are there. You know what I mean. My website is under construction to add to the new you know aesthetic and and add to the new images of all the newer works and stuff. So. So my thing is, you know, Instagram's a free website. If you're not an artist that's on it, you're kind of crazy. Will, I need you on there, bro. Get on there. We're going to make them for you. We're going to find a way to link you, man. Uh, right now, you can find me on Facebook. Just, uh, you know, Will Turan. And uh, you can see my entire portfolio, my entire catalog, paintings, drawings, sculptures, fabrication, installations, murals. Um, I'm working on the Instagram. Uh, I'm working on the personal website. It, it goes up. It comes down, it goes up, it comes down. I've been out of the art game for a couple of years now. I do some commissions and stuff. Sometimes I'll get um, some murals on some legit walls. Sometimes I'll get some murals on some non-legit walls. But uh, I, I want to get back into it more. Okay, awesome. And right. and as as we put in the chat, you can find us, One Love Art Sessions, at IG on Instagram. We do post the artist's work after the shows. Uh, I know a lot of people have hit me up and they're like, hey, I want to see that that piece up close. Um, either the same night or the next day, we actually post what the artist was working on. So if you want to see what they're working on, if you want to know about the future shows, make sure you are following us on Instagram. To everybody who joined us this evening, thank you. Thank you for carving out some time to join us for this conversation. Uh, Diego, Will, thank you so very much. Jay, this is always a pleasure. Uh, please stay tuned. One Love Art Sessions. And we have another one coming soon. That information will be provided. And yeah, thank you. Hey, thank Yo, you, man. Appreciate it. For real. The One Love Art Sessions couldn't have been complete without the wonderful artists and even more so our wonderful community. And now you, our listeners. Our goal is to put out an episode three to four times a month based on the event schedule. We hope you are as excited for the next one as we are. The music used in this podcast was created by Pound, a.k.a. Chris Lee. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. One love.